Why is it that so many successful people seem to be narcissists? In this conversation, I speak with Mitchell Back, who's a University of Munster professor of psychology and one of the world's leading experts on the topic of narcissism. We discuss narcissism as a personality trait that's associated with confidence and energy and a well-developed sense of the attention economy. Mitchell explains how these traits really can have an impressive impact in the world, but they can also lead to friction and the breakdown of personal relationships. I'm Shane Farnsworth, and this is the Escape Sapiens podcast, supported by the Andrea Font Brown Foundation. If you enjoy these conversations, you can help support them by liking, subscribing, and sharing. And now, here's Mitchell back. I hope you enjoy. Escape Sapiens. Why is it that people have personality at all? It's one of the things that fascinates me about intelligence, right? I imagine we could have intelligence with no personality at all. We're all the same. Is there some evolutionary advantage or is it inevitable? Yeah, that's a really interesting and very basic question. And often uh, personality psychologists do not think about this question at all because personality is just there. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of both. It's inevitable because we have um, genetic variation that is just there. And at the same time, um, there is not one optimal um, level in any personality trait. So because one argument could be, um, okay, there's evolution. There should be an optimal way of doing things. And why do people differ, right? And I think there are so many niches and different advantages and disadvantages that come along with your personal strategy in life um, uh, that, yeah, differences evolve and uh, different kinds of personalities have uh, advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. But so we're thinking at the moment about building general AIs, right? We're looking at AI these days. Yes. Do you think ultimately we'll end up with AIs that all have their own personalities or? Definitely. I, th I think uh, that will be the case. Um, actually, people are working on this. So they, they are working on rebuilding personality via AIs. Right now we are doing a project where we try to um, um, yeah, we build AIs that tell stories that sound like a story from an extrovert or an introvert, for example. And I think this is something that is already going on and that will be created because it also um, uh, feels more natural, right? That people differ and it will feel more natural that machines mm -hmm. differ. But they're there intentionally building it into the machine, right? Yes, but, but in a way the variation is there. So the, the variation in, for example, language these machines grasp on is there. And there's a, yeah, there, there are systematics to this, to this variation. And this is what we see in personality. And because people differ, this variation uh, is observable. And in a way, these, the machines will uh, grasp on this variation in any case. Mm, yeah. From the training set. Yes. So you focus primarily on narcissism, or that's one of your big topics. Yeah. Why did you start there? What was the, the draw for you? So I think there are different reasons. Uh, one is that uh, narcissism is so intimately connected with, with social relationships. And I'm really interested in um, uh, how personality affects our social relationships and how it uh, develops because we are in certain relationships and make certain uh, social experiences. And narcissism is very interesting in this respect because it, uh, um, it um, yeah, ha has a lot of um, effects on social relationships, how they evolve, how they are maintained, friendships, romantic relationships in the job. And at the same time, um, the narcissistic self is so strongly connected to how others react. 
Uh, and so this combination is very uh, fascinating. I think there's one point, and the other point is that I um, yeah, just observe a lot of um, uh, attitudes, opinions about Gnosticism in the public. And it's fascinating that, that these opinions are so loosely connected to what we see in, 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 in the science of, of Gnosticism. So there's also uh, this reason uh, to, to, to check, can we translate the science better into the public opinion? What do you mean by that? Do you mean that when someone is pointed out in the media as being a narcissist, it doesn't necessarily align with the clinical or the research definition? This is one point, but uh, but I think that the main point is that what narcissism is in the first place is often misunderstood. So what we have in the public opinion is uh, this this um, idea of narcissism as a disorder, mainly a disorder. And um, there are different variants of this opinion. So either um, narcissists are traumatized and very weak deep down inside and they compensate for this. So this is one idea. The other idea is that it's part of a, a dark personality um, um, that people um, uh, that are narcissists uh, uh, want to manipulate others, uh, for example. And these ideas do not align very well with, with the science. Okay, so, so then maybe that's the best place to start. What is narcissism and, and how would I notice it in someone if I was to see them on the street? Yeah, so I think the, the, the first important point is that narcissism is a personality trait, a dimensional personality trait. So it's not that you have it or doesn't have it, but you, you have a certain score on narcissism. In, in, in a similar way, you have a certain score on intelligence or that you have a certain height, for, for example. So you uh, cannot say uh, narcissism is nothing that affects me because you have a certain narcissism uh, score. And um, it's very widely distributed in the population. So I think this is the first important uh, point. And then there are certain ingredients. So, um, and there are, um, I think, three main ingredients. So the first one is grandiosity. People think that they are special that they um, will build great things in the future. Um, uh, so like Muhammad Ali said, I am the greatest. Mm -hmm. Or um, uh, um, there's a nice saying from Dali, I don't have the, the original quote exactly, but he says, um, I experience the greatest joy in life every mo morning being Salvador Dali, right? So this, these grandiose uh, ideas. The second is uh, entitlement. So people, and it's very closely connected to this grandiose idea, because I am grandiose, I am ent entitled to special treatment, to special experiences. Um, and the third one, very important one, is um, strive for social attention and status. Um, and again, this is closely connected to the grandiosity and entitlement um, uh, ideas, because by having a high status, you yeah, express your grandiosity, you show your grandiosity, and, be, and you are all also entitled to this higher, higher status. Um, this is something science um, yeah, just focused on recently, that this strive for status might be uh, a key motivational driver of, of narcissism. But is it also delusional? I mean... We see many powerful people, many celebrities, people in charge who appear to have narcissistic traits. So are they delusional or is it that narcissists do in fact, are they're more intelligent, they're more beautiful, they're, they have some characteristic that's real there that underpins their beliefs? So uh, narcissism as any other trait comes along with a couple of further traits. So. Um, 
Nassim is related to a couple of typical behaviors and the force. We can talk about that. But of course, um, uh, it's uh, it can be related to to a bunch of different characteristics. So there are dumb and intelligent narcissists. There. Very attractive and unattractive narcissists. They're more or less socially fluent narcissists. So, and this is something that's very important to to consider that there are all these differences within um, the large group of of, of narcissists, and this is also important because this can uh, have a large effect on how well the narcissistic strategy plays out in life. It, it seems like a short-term strategy, right? From what I've read uh, from your own work, narcissists, they, they score positively on, on, if you line narcissists up along a line and ask people, do you like them, given an introduction, yeah. people tend to like narcissists better Yes. Uh, in the short term. Yes. Is this the case? No, not if they're asked <laughs> for it. So if I, if I would ask you, uh, how much do you like a narcissist? The answer would be clear. No, I don't like narcissists. Um, they're arrogant. Uh, I, I wouldn't uh, want to get to know a narcissist. This is what people say, because this is our ideas about, about this trait. But when people actually meet narcissists, they like them more, right? Uh, and this has reasons, <laughs> um, because they tend to look better. Um, they, uh, is that sorry to interrupt? Yeah. That's because they look after themselves more. Yes. Because they they want to present a yeah. certain image. So there is some research showing this, so that they um, yeah um, put more energy into their appearance. Um, there are also other ideas that maybe narcissism develops because people are more attractive, which is an interesting idea. But there's few uh, research on that. There can also be joint genetic uh, um, um, reasons, of course. But uh, we know that narcissists have a closer look on their on their appearance. So this is one major major driver behind this. Um, they also act more self confident, which is a major major part. They show more charm, uh, humorous statements, um, uh, and these behaviors, they, uh, they are likable uh, at first sight. We, we like it when people break the ice and create a situation in which we can g get to know each, each other. Um, they seem interesting. Um, uh, so um, um, at zero acquaintance, short-term short acquaintance, people uh, want to get to know narcissists better. So how does it relate then to, say, sociopathy or um, other, I'm not going to call it a disorder, but other areas of personality? Um, is it that they, are they able to better empathize and take advantage of people in the short term or do they lack empathy? How, how does it play out? Yeah, they are both ideas, right? So, so the idea that they lack empathy, they don't know what is going on in others' minds and therefore they act egoistically. But there, there's also the idea of this strategic, strategic manipulation, right? They know better, even better than others what's going on and they use this for their advantage. Um, uh, I think it's uh, none of this. <laughs> so what we see uh, when we look at several tests of empathic accuracy, social accuracy, we see there's almost no difference between people scoring high or low in narcissism. Um, a, a small difference um, that, that narcissists perhaps score a little bit lower in something like empathic accuracy, but this might also be motivational, right? And uh, with regard to the motivation, we can say for sure that narcissists have fewer interest in the motives, desires, and emotions of others. Um, and But this is not because they they are not able to feel emotions or not, are not able to understand others, but they have other things to do. I see. Right? 
then this might be a little bit out of left field, but people who are drunk or people who are high on cocaine, uh, they sort of, they seem to have narcissistic traits. Whereas people, um, people say that taking mushrooms will dissolve the ego, Mm -hmm. let's say. So, um, uh, there's a few related questions, but can you see, for example, in a brain scan that this person is a narcissist or uh, what is the link there between um, these behaviors when someone is on something? Very difficult and we know very little about the neurobiological uh, basics of of, uh, um, narcissism. so to start, I think we know very little about the new biological basis of any personality trait. And what we know is that it's not so easy. So there's not this one genetic variant or this one uh, neurobiological mechanism that drives a personality a personality trait. And also we, there are a couple of studies with narcissism, but the problem with these studies is that they are small, small sample sizes, non-replicated, very complicated uh, three, four-way interactions and so forth. So for now, I wouldn't uh, bet too much on these um, on these results. So we need much more stable and robust results uh, regarding this. I think uh, cocaine is interesting in this regard because um, I think um, uh, the dopaminic system might be something that is relevant when it comes to narcissism. Because we know that um, uh, drugs that uh, um, uh, that pick up on the dopaminic system, like co- co- cocaine, um, um, result in behaviors that we regard as narcissistic, um, and um, do- the dopaminic system is related to all kinds of approach behavior, to the valuation of uh, new rewards. And this is uh, something that that is very typical for for narcissists. So narcissists have this approach temperament, which is linked to the dopaminic uh, system. So then they get a reward from from the validation of others or they get like a dopamine boost. Is that the idea or? Yes. And, and this is true for all of us. <laughs> so if we. But theirs is larger somehow. But there, there are differences in the strengths of this reactivity. And one idea, it's not tested yet, but one idea is that uh, narcissists have a stronger reactivity with regard to this, to this, uh, to this system. And um, social um, valuation, uh, social attention is one of the strongest uh, uh, drugs we have in life, right? Um, so this might be a, a biological link to, to, to understanding narcissism. I think it's an interesting question to ask, the, the drug question that is, because it's quite clear that people don't lose their empathy when they're drunk, say, but they might not care. Right. Um, so that's, that's sort of the image that I have with, from reading sort of your work and then looking into literature a little bit, that um, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, that really the, the capability is there, they, they can read other people, but they just value their own importance, let's say. Yes, and all of us do this, right? So we have our goals in life, and we have all kinds of goals, but we are not able to realize all of them. We have a limited life energy, right? Uh, and I think that there's one important uh, trade-off here, that is um, the, the trade-off between getting ahead and getting along. Mm-hmm. So getting personal ahead, uh, personally ahead, reaching your, your own goals, and getting along with others, having um, intimate, uh, close relationships, for, for example. And we all have these goals to a certain degree. 
um, there's almost nobody who um, um, has uh, yeah n no interest no interest in reaching one of these these broad, broad goals. Um, but we have to make compromises. So if we if we um, put all our energy into getting ahead, then we will have fewer energy to to um, deal with our social relationships, for example. But if we put all of our energy in, in, into getting along, then we won't have the energy to uh, get personally ahead. And narcissists are, are special in a way because they put almost all the en energy into the getting ahead goals. And this is why they have less energy to closely listen to others, although they can. So it's, it's almost, uh, it sounds like it's more correct to call it a social strategy rather than a... A, a problem or a disease or something. Right. It's a personality trait. Yeah, it's a, it's a social strategy, but not necessarily an explicit strategy. This easily sounds manipulative again, but it's just, yeah, the way individuals realize to get along with their life, right? And we all have these, have these strategies and narcissists have this yeah, rather extreme strategy. Right? So then an obvious question is, does the narcissist become successful or does success build the narcissist? Yeah. Um, the, again, there is few research really um, that can um, uh, really answer this question because you need, need some, some kind of longitudinal research, right? To see, okay, what affects the other? What we know from the few studies that, that exist is that there are um, uh, selection effects, so effects of narcissism on selecting into... Um, certain positions, so for example, leadership positions and uh, certain occupations like management, but also the media, for example. Um, and this is because they, they uh, like to be in these positions <laughs> because these positions uh, uh, reward them with attention, with social attention, and because they are able to get into the, these positions because they act in a way that others think, okay, this is a leader, for example. Um, but we have few evidence for socialization effect, so that being in these positions makes them a narcissist. So um, becoming a manager, being a manager, does not necessarily increase narcissism uh, levels. So it's rather uh, selection effects and less uh, socialization effects. It's inter interesting because, uh, like you said at the beginning, everyone says they don't like narcissists, but narcissists, I guess, are captivating. Right, and and we, we can't stop watching either because we want to watch them stuff up or make a mistake, or just because we yeah. think they're inherently interesting. What what goes wrong, right? So, what is it that takes someone from that position where they're likable, affable, people want to speak with them, to where they don't want anything to do with them? It's like falling out of love almost, right? Yeah. So, so what goes wrong there? <clears throat> Perhaps first, I, th I think that what is special about Nazm is, is the energy power that is there. And energy power can uh, lead to very positive and very negative results. There's this, this saying, I think, from Harari, who said um, that uh, humans are species with the strongest um, power for both creation and destroyal. And in a way, uh, you could say this about narcissists uh, within the human uh, um, uh, species. So they're, they're, um, uh, narcissists are the humans with the strongest potential for creating things and for destroying things. Um, and I think um, there is a certain variation within the lives of, of, of narcissists and within the everyday lives that they create positive things and destroy things on an everyday basis. 
But uh, the big question here is, so for the life perspective of, an, of a narcissism, does it go in the positive direction or in the negative direction? Um, and I think this has a lot to do with um, the kinds of strategies narcissists use to gain this social tension, this social status. And there's one default natural strategy that is um, um, yeah, um, being very expressive and charming. So um, uh, self-presenting oneself, being self-enhancing. And this is, is in a way natural. If you think uh, you are one of the greatest minds uh, among humans uh, or the best looking person uh, ever, then the natural strategy is to show the world, right? Um, the problem is that uh, this is not always rewarded, <laughs> right? So, and as soon as this is not rewarded or there are competitors or critique, then uh, the strategy uh, no longer holds, right? And then narcissists use other strategies um, and they, they use their elbows, they, they try to uh, derogate others, they react aggressive to defend their aim for, uh, for social status uh, and grandiosity. And so in the long run, the question is, how often uh, are narcissists relying on this more antagonistic negative strategy? Because this strategy has negative consequences. It creates conflicts. It creates disapproval um, in, in the long run. So uh, uh, it doesn't create success for narcissists in the long run. Uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah. But is it changing today? Because I imagine if you go back a few hundred years ago, you were stuck in your little village surrounded by a few hundred people that knew you intimately. And so if you were, if you were aggressive and pushy and, and domineering over other people, then maybe that would work for a short time, but then you're stuck with 200 people who hate you. Whereas these days we have access to social media, we can move town, we can fly to an entirely different country, we can learn other language, we can, we can express ourselves in this short-term game repeatedly, right? We can, there seems to be more opportunity for the narcissist. Uh, are we seeing this in today's society? So did we see this strategy to um, uh, leave social contexts and enter new social contexts because there are the rewards that narcissists really get. You've burnt down the bridges already. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so um, um, Keith Campbell differentiates between uh, the emergence zone and the enduring zone. The emergence, emergence zone is when you enter relationships. Right. And in this emergence zone, narcissists have advantages for themselves, but also for others. Yeah. They, they create excitement, interesting situations, and they get the social approval uh, they aim for. Uh, and then when it's about to maintaining uh, social relationships in the enduring zone, they create more problems. And so, um, yeah, it's a certain strategy to leave these relationships as soon as problems arise and enter a new social, uh, social context. Um, when it comes to, to change in our society, um, I think um, the, the variation in narcissism we have, that doesn't really change. Mm -hmm. I think the variation in narcissism is always there and will always be there. What changes is, and this has to do with social media, for example, is that it's much more visible. Mm -hmm. Because narcissism um, aim for contexts in which they can have a lot of social contact, distribute their, their actions to get more social attention. Yeah? So social media is a tool for exactly that. Um, 
they are better in creating uh, uh, attention um, and they show more extreme behaviors. Mm -hmm. And this is rewarded by the algorithms um, of um, the social media apps because they want to make money. Um, so therefore, narcissism is more visible. But this does not mean that we have more narcissists. And what we know from, from, from uh, the, the science on, on the development of narcissism over generations, there is clearly no generational effect whatsoever. Um, so we have the same number of narcissists, but a lot more talking about narcissists, right? Um, um, and to understand why the higher visibility of narcissism doesn't have an effect on, on the, the occurrence of narcissism, I think one has to understand that narcissism is rewarded, mm -hmm. but also punished mm -hmm. in social media. So people are excited about narcissists, but once they make errors, mm -hmm. then uh, they punish them. So it's a zero-sum game for narcissists, right? It's a lot of up and downs. And so this does not lead to a higher advantage to being a narcissist in the long run. But, but you sort of, okay, just to put some names out there, there are certain political figures and right now in the news, there are people like Andrew Tate and Elon Musk and I guess Amber Heard. There's, there's a whole slew of people that get the narcissist label thrown at them. Um, it seems though to work. I mean, so Amber Heard is now out of the media. She's lost her career. So it, th things seem to have gone really badly for her. But there are other people like Elon Musk who are very successful and uh, attention seems to uh, puff them up no matter what, whether it's positive or, or negative. Um, when you see these characters uh, online and people are calling them narcissists, as a professional who works in the area, do you agree with the prognosis or, or are people sort of missing the, the mark? I'm fine with calling these <laughs> individuals narcissists because you have to understand that it's not about a disorder. Mm -hmm. So it's not about an official diagnosis uh, and you have a disorder. Yeah? And then we would say, okay, there's nothing we, we just uh, do uh, from, uh, from outside. But when it comes to... to um, yeah, judging the personality of others, it's just a question of how many valid cues do we, do we have to this personality trait? And it's always um, probabilistic um, uh, judgment, right? And for many of these uh, um, celebrities, we have a lot of cues that are consistent over time, over situations. So we often we have much more evidence to call someone a narcissist as compared to having this person filling out a questionnaire, right? So we have real life information on, on the behaviors uh, repeatedly across time. Can, can I just ask quickly, does that mean in some sense you can be predictive? So uh, by which I mean, uh, okay, narcissists come out strong, they're, they're exciting, they're invigorating, they're captivating, but then it, they might wear over time, let's say. Are you able to make predictions about, you know, there'll be some political figure, they've really burst onto, into the limelight, and then you know that, hey, I think that person's a narcissist and they're going to burn themselves out within a five-year period or something like this. Do you, do you make these predictions? Are you able to be directed in that, that sense? 
Yeah, I, I'm, I would be hesitant to, to do this regularly for individuals. <laughs> but um, of course, there are certain cues that um, yeah, make your predictions better, but it's still probabilistic. Um, I think one important point is uh, if you really also want to early on um, uh, grasp these negative aspects, because this is what we always miss in the first place, right? Then you have to create situations in which narcissists express their negative parts. So um, you have to critique them, um, uh, create social stress that is status related in some, uh, in some form. Yeah? And then you might be able to already early on uh, um, uh, get an impression about their more aggressive tendencies, for example. So one, one aspect that I had not understood very well and I'd sort of seen um, in my reading is that there are, as far as I understand, two types of narcissism. So there's this grandiose, uh, grandiose narcissism, but also a, a vulnerable narcissism. Uh, so what's the difference there um, and what's going on? And I guess I'll remind you if you forget this follow-up question, how does it split up in the genders? Yeah. Um so um, for a long time, we differentiated between grandiose and vulnerable narcissism. And the idea here was that grandiose narcissism is the more easily observable, more uh, outgoing uh, aspect and vulnerable is the more hidden, uh, more neurotic uh, aspect. Um, meanwhile, it's a bit outdated, this differentiation, because um, there are different aspects that are entangled in these differentiations. So now we uh, rather differentiate between three different dimensions. So grandiose narcissism uh, entangles the um, agentic aspects, so the self-assured uh, aspects, and the antagonistic ones. And vulnerable narcissism entangles the antagonistic and the neurotic ones. So, it's, uh, so what we would do nowadays is differentiate between agentic, antagonistic, and neurotic uh, aspects. And the, the, the agentic aspect, would, uh, what I said before, this default um, uh, strategy of uh, showing off, um, being charming, self-assured. This antagonistic would be the elbows. And um, the neurotic aspects, um, um, from my opinion, would rather be a, a sign of a failed narcissistic strategy. So it's not, not something that is built in into narcissism and creates this need for compensatory uh, behavior, but it's rather an effect. So narcissists that, that fail, that start to show more and more of these neurotic aspects. What do you mean by that more exactly? So, so for example, they, they still think that they are great and have deserved special treatment, but they um, realize, okay, the world will not see this. They, they start to, to give up on this and they, they uh, get more cynical uh, about, about the social reactions and, and so forth. And this is what we particularly observe in people with a narcissistic personality disorder. And there we, we have this, this interesting neurotic uh, aspect. They, they shut themselves off from the world or how does it present? They, um, yes, yes, in a way. And, and they, 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 they talk about the, what they could have done or what they could reach if others would realize how good they are. Yeah. But they no longer really strive, strive for it. And they, and if, if they um, are in, 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 in treatment, they also have a whole range of problems in their, in their, in their lives because they, they won't enter treatment 
because they want to change their personality. So no narcissist enters uh, psychotherapy and says, okay, can we change my narcissism? But they have problems with uh, their spouse, with their job. And uh, that's when it's found. Yeah. So we don't know whether there's a genetic component, if I understand correctly. But what, what happens, that's, is that correct? We don't know whether there's a genetic component? There is a genetic component, oh, there, for there sure. Okay. So um, we don't know what genes uh, are so, driving so this. You're more likely to have um, narcissistic children if you're a narcissist yourself? Yes. So um, we have a couple of behavioral genetic studies uh, on this. And like for almost all other personality traits, it's both genes and environment. And for narcissism, we have about 50% uh, genetic, uh, genetic component. Um, so there's this clear genetic component and a very unclear environmental component. It's funny. So I have a good friend uh, who was telling, I was speaking about this interview beforehand, and she was explaining to me that her mother is a narcissist. And one of the things that would happen with her when she was growing up is she would return home from school and her toys or her belongings would be given away. So her mother would collect things and give, she enjoyed um, giving other people's stuff away. It made her feel you know, appreciated, let's say. And but my friend, I would say, is as far away from being a narcissist as anyone I know. So it sort of had the opposite effect on her, seemingly. So I, is there, in terms of uh, the socialized component, uh, what impact do you see, not genetically, but the impact of the social environment? What, what does that have on the children yeah. of? So one of the main ideas is that it's uh, um, the parents who, who drive um, the narcissism of, of their kids by their parenting behavior. And the most popular idea is that it's cold parenting, right? So cold parenting that creates this inner emptiness in, in children, and then they have to compensate, compensate for this and show their narcissistic behavior. And again, there's no evidence for this, uh, for this idea. There are very few studies um, that uh, really looked into this because again, you need longitudinal studies who follow up children and have assessments of the parenting behavior while they are parenting, not in retrospect. And the studies that exist that uh, rather show an opposite effect of parenting. So an effect of overvaluation so parents who always put their child on a pedestal uh, yeah, say that uh, yeah, no one can sing so nice as you can. No one can build a, such a huge and nice Lego tower or whatever, right? That this overvaluation uh, that creates narcissism in the long term. So basically it's social learning. So, no. so if I wanted to have a raging narcissist as a child, you'd recommend uh, over-evaluating their abilities. Yeah, intensely. Uh, <laughs> intensely. <laughs> yes. but, but I think, so the even more important point about the development of narcissism is that parenting is not so important at all. So the effect of parents is much more via their genes. This has a clear effect, but parenting itself um, does not seem to have such a strong effect. We, we know this from also from um, behavioral genetic studies for other personality traits as well, that the um, shared environments in, in these uh, siblings that, that are studied does not have a strong effect. So for example, um, uh, adoption childs uh, um, don't have, uh, are not more similar than uh, any, um, any pairings of, of, of individuals. Um, so the shared environments 
including parenting and sociodemographic background, for example, um, do not seem to have such a strong effect. But we're so we are basically only looking at parenting when talking about um, uh, the development of narcissism. So my takeaway for this would be, okay, we need to look at other environmental sources here to better understand the development of narcissism. So for example, kindergarten, school, peer groups, uh, romantic relationships, um, occupational success, and so forth. But so you mentioned you don't really have a lot of data in the longitudinal sense through the life. But do do you know, is it once a narcissist, always a narcissist, or how do people develop uh, through their lives? Do you have any indication there? Yeah, we have, um, we just finished a meta-analysis on the few longitudinal studies we have, and we very clearly see that narcissism is a very stable trait. So the differences we, we see between individuals uh, are stable across time. So the um, people who are narcissistic at age 20 tend to be the ones who uh, are also narcissistic when, they, when they're 40 or, or 50. They so never get over it. They can, they can, but there's a large stability. I mean, these are correlations. Um, so there's always uh, a room for, for development, for increasing in narcissism or uh, getting uh, lower scores. Um, but the so differences between individuals in narcissism are pretty stable. There's a general trend across uh, the ages uh, towards a uh, um, decrease in narcissism. So as people get older, mm-hmm. they decrease in their narcissism, but the rank orders at each age are relatively, uh, relatively stable. And they may be better at employing the strategy. Right? So it may not be as visible, even if they started off being a narcissist, they've realized, hey, this behavior doesn't pay off in the long run, and so I'm going to modulate my behavior. Yeah, I mean, people um, yeah, create their niches over time, right? Yeah. We mentioned social media before, yeah. and one aspect of our culture today that I find fascinating uh, are dating apps. Right? And so it's online dating. and. I've noticed in my own personality something that I don't like so much, which is when I have tried these online dating apps, I find that the way I treat other people and the way I interact with the app depends very much on how much attention I'm getting, mm-hmm. right? So it might be, you know, if, if you're getting a lot of attention, then people somehow become cheaper. Um, and so I have a related question, which is that in general, uh, it's men that are pursuing women. And so, is there any is there any back reaction in terms of narcissism here uh, in in the in the population? Just because you have two, let's say, classes of people who are behaving very differently, is there, is there anything that we can pull out and see that this gives rise to narcissistic behaviors uh, in this group in this particular way, or has any work been done? And this is not an attack on any group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what 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 kind of groups uh, do you do you mean? So the groups, uh, perhaps you describe them. So, so uh, let me uh, be more specific. Yeah. So, if a person is being pursued by many people, yeah. does that person ge- uh, tend to ge- uh, develop narcissistic traits over time? Is it, or is it uh, is this not? Um, I mean, the, the 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 dating and mating market has always been rough <laughs> and it always differentiated between people who uh, are very attractive to many mm-hmm. and those who are less attractive uh, to many. So this, this idea that um, there's just a fit for, for everyone and there's the same probability for everyone, that's just not true. There are huge differences in, in 
the um, made value, uh, so so to say, of people. And um, with these dating apps, it's again just um, uh, a question of um, how many people you can reach and how strongly you can create these differences and how visible they are via the, uh, this app. I think this is the, the more important point. But the fact that people who are more attractive, uh, more charming, expressive, more self-assured, that they attract more potential partners mm -hmm. has always been uh, the case, right? Um, so this is, I think this is just more, just more uh, visible. And it's an interesting question whether um, this visibility and this kind of feedback you get, whether this has downstream consequences on the development of narcissistic traits. I'm not aware of any research uh, that is done, but it would be a very interesting, interesting avenue. It'd be a fascinating area to do research in, right? Yes. Uh, you have a ready population of people that are all using the apps anyway. You might have to contact. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so uh, culture-wide, um, if, if there are, let's say there are learned behaviors, could you end up with a whole culture of people who are narcissistic? So let me give you an example. Uh, we say in, we, we value individual liberty, let's say in, in the West. So uh, can it be said that uh, across the culture, Western civilization is more narcissistic or is this not, does it make sense to? Yeah, they, so there, there are, some differences between uh, between countries so yes the us is a bit more narcissistic than other countries but these differences are not huge and um, it's very also very difficult to study this because within each context people compare themselves with others from this context so uh, in measuring narcissism it's sometimes difficult to measure the real differences between between groups because within a group you compare yourself to others and you give yourself perhaps a medium score um, because you, you, you realize, okay, there are others who are stronger in us. So it's, it's a complex um, uh, endeavor to, to measure these cultural differences. There are some signs that the US, for example, is more uh, narcissistic, but there is narcissism in collective cultures as well. And I think one important point is that there are different arenas, playing fields to play out narcissism. And you can also play out uh, narcissism by being the most helpful individual, the most selfless individual. So do, do you play on the getting along field to get ahead, right? Um, so I think this, this is important to also see that's not just those uh, who brag with their money, their jobs or their attractiveness who are narcissists. There are a lot of narcissists who brag with their selflessness or even um, with uh, their, their pity. It's, it's also possible, I mean, people uh, really have um, uh, problems. They, they, um, uh, they, they get devaluated by others because of, of uh, um, yeah, the group they, be, they belong to, but it's also possible for narcissists to uh, somehow use these uh, uh, belonging to groups to um, uh, to brag with their their pity or being discriminated and so forth. It's an interesting question because I uh, one, one question that I'm sort of fascinated by is if you did if you were able to do a personality test on say um, chief religious figures. 
So, so in many religions, you're supposed to be selfless. You're supposed to not puff up your own ego. So I'm thinking of people like the Dalai Lama or the Pope. Um, do you think, because you, you mentioned you can also be... Uh, be narcissistic in a, in a giving sense. So you want to be seen as being very generous and very, it, do you suspect that leaders like this would also show strong signs of narcissism, even though that's not a label we would generally attach to them? Yes, I, I would expect higher, higher narcissism values. I mean, what position is that, right? You can uh, speak about and tell others about your wise ideas, your connection to God, you give away, you're clearly in a very superordinate uh, position there, there. You get social feedback attention. So this is a niche that is very well fitting to narcissistic uh, needs. And I think the Dalai Lama has said something like, um, there's no smarter way to be egoistical than to be helpful <laughs> <laughs> and generous. Mm. So, okay, let's talk about um, measurement, right? Because you can, of course, be very qualitative, but you're actually doing studies. So you're, you're getting out. And let me first uh, clarify something, uh, because I have this, you have to get good statistics. And so I have, I imagine these silly situations where you collect 300 narcissists together in a room just for the numbers, but th that's obviously not what's going on, right? So I guess my first question is, how do you get enough people? How, how do you how do you get narcissists for your research, or is that not how it's done? You study general populations. What does it look yeah, like? Yeah, so, so we study general st general populations, and I, I, I get that this question a lot. Yeah, where do you get your narcissists from? Because we have this idea that these are special individuals, yeah, a, a group of individuals. Either you are in this group or not. But if you study intelligence. Um, you also want to ask, okay, how, where do you get your, your intelligent people <laughs> to study intelligence? Or if I would study uh, the development of hate, for example, where do you get your big <laughs> individuals from? So it's really this dimensional trait in the normal population and we study variation. So what we need to assure is that we have enough variation, that we have people scoring high and low and of course in the middle. And uh, what I observe is uh, no matter where I look, no matter in what context, we have huge variation. So even the very consensuous and agreeable psychology students show a lot of variation from very humble to very narcissistic. So this is um, no problem. <laughs> so we see this variation and what we do is to measure this variation in some kind and then look at, okay, what predicts this variation? What is this variation predicting and with very different kind of designs? So one thing that I, I would like to understand a little bit better is, so it sounds like narcissists present in very different ways. So as you said, there'll be someone who is very giving, then there's the narcissist that we all imagine who's very domineering. How, how do you actually in practice tease this apart? So to give a, a more specific question, if what sort of questions would you ask me? What if you wanted to if you, you wanted to sit down with me and find out is yeah. is Shane a narcissist? Like how how would you go about it? What what what's where do you begin? What's so I think um, it's important to really focus on the narcissistic core. So what do they believe? What do they strive for? And then this can have effects on behaviors, on outcomes in certain arenas, playing fields, but this is a separate point. So the, the first task is to really 
measure these uh, three core characteristics, grandiosity, yeah, entitlement, and strive for status. And these are just plain and simple questions. Um, so people agree more or less with uh, something like, uh, I have a great personality. Uh, um, I have deserved more than others. Uh, I like to be in the center of attention. Right. Um, and so, and we get these scores. And of course, these are self-reports, but it is about intrapersonal mechanisms. So there's no other way around. And um, we know from research that uh, narcissists have pretty good self-insight. So they know they're narcissists. Yes. So in contrast to what many people think is that this is something like a hidden problem um, mm. narcissists are not aware of, narcissists know very well that they, are, that they are narcissistic and also how they come across with this behavior. But they don't think it's a problem because they, they genuinely think that the, I see, and, and so this is the reason why they would not go and seek help necessarily or. Yeah, I mean, people seek help when they have problems yeah. <laughs> and so narcissists would seek help uh, when their life strategy fails in the same way other people seek help when their life strategy fails mm -hmm. so being a narcissist is not closer to uh, or does not necessitate to to uh, seek for help um, more than than being shy or being overly orderly or something like that it's just personality variation so can you give me an idea of what it would look like if I was to participate in one of your studies? So I, I what, what sort of studies do you do? And I, I guess um, one thing that I'd like to know is, is whether you hide the purpose of the studies as well in, in order to get the result that yeah, you want. Usually not. <laughs> so generally, um, we have, uh, in our lab, we have a strong focus on being realistic and really trying to grasp uh, what is really going on um, um, and I think that's important because you can create really different results um, as I said before if you just ask people for example how would you like to get to know a narcissist better you get completely different results uh, compared to when you really have them interact with each other so you really in, I think in, in, in this kind of research we really uh, need to try to be as closely as possible to the phenomena you're interested in. And then there are different possibilities. So of course we are doing surveys and also longitudinal surveys if you're interested in development, panel studies. Um, we're doing research in the lab where we have um, people interact with each other, diets like we are interacting or groups uh, of people who are interacting with videotaped behavior that is coded afterwards uh, with systematic behavior coding. We have people um, evaluate each other after the interaction to learn more about interpersonal perceptions and, and evaluations. Um, we have um, computer tasks where people um, um, get emotional or social stimuli and have to um, yeah, uh, judge the emotions that are expressed to get at something like uh, emotional uh, accuracy, empathic accuracy. And we're doing research um, in the natural environment of particip participants themselves, mostly with um, smartphone-based studies. So either daily diaries that people respond to certain questions each day, and then we can look at the tra trajectories over time, the variation over time, or even multiple times per day via experience sampling designs where we ask for um, 
social interactions uh, they had, how they felt, how they behaved, how their interaction partners behaved, and this multiple times per day. So we really get a closer idea about the um, everyday dynamics um, within people's uh, lives. But so what sort of question, it's, it's completely out of field for me in terms of, I've, I've never done any research that looks like this. And it seems like you have such a massive parameter space because everyone is different. You have all different participants. And I can, I can imagine, so you mentioned you'll sit down at some computer and you'll have some, uh, some interaction that where you're looking for a particular behavior. But in general, how do you, how do you navigate that parameter space? I guess if, if I'm asking a more specific question, it's what are the questions you're trying to answer? And how do I link that to a particular study? Yeah. So perhaps I give you two examples. Uh, one in, in the lab, when we're interested in how narcissists come across, for example, in dating, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we, we uh, did a speed dating study in our lab. So when we invited singles, uh, had uh, them interact with, with five um, uh, other singles uh, they've met for the first time, videotaped them, asked them afterwards if they want to exchange contact information. If there's a match, we gave them the information. Um, so then we uh, um, measured narcissism of uh, every uh, individual and uh, we looked at certain flirting behaviors via the videotapes and then had the, the ratings and the evaluations of their uh, dating partners. And then we uh, have three variables, narcissism, flirting, and uh, their mate value, how many others were interested in them. And then we do some sort of mediation analyze where we look at, okay, narcissism affects flirting, flirting affects popularity during dating. And this is one, expl one explanation for why narcissists are chosen more during, uh, during dating. Um, and perhaps in the in the real life context, we are often interested in uh, so more the emotional and motivational dynamics. So um, how do narcissists feel, and um, how do do they respond to certain social uh, situations? So we are then asking for their effects. So um, how well they're feeling, how proud they are, um, how uh, much they um, uh, are anxious or stressed uh, or angry. Uh, so the emotion part. And then we, we are trying to craft the, the social situation part by uh, how much they are being criticized, for example, um, uh, valued by others. And then we can look at how often they feel positive or negative and how strongly um, the, the emotions are connected to certain uh, social experiences. And what we see is, for example, that uh, this connection between being valued regarding one's status and the emotions is stronger for narcissists. So within individuals, this, this dynamic is, is, uh, is stronger. Can you imagine meeting your significant other at an, in a narcissism study? <laughs> <laughs> like people ask, where did you guys meet? Yes, I mean, this wasn't, uh, wouldn't be uh, called a narcissism study because uh, yeah, there are all kind of other personality aspects involved. <laughs> um, yeah, but... Um, Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything, what, what's the thing you've been most surprised by? You know, that result that came out where you, you sort of really didn't expect it. So, so really the, the start of my narcissism studies was this, this effect that um, narcissism um, were liked more. Mm -hmm. And this is so dramatically different from how we think about this concept. Uh, 
That's uh, really something that, that interested me. And it, it really shows that our just conceptual thinking about labels of such very complex constructs, like psychological constructs, is definitely not, not enough. So we really need to focus on specific situations and really look at behaviors. I think this is one of the main problems psychology has, the lack of behavioral uh, studies and the importance of behaviors to explain how personality affects um, uh, other, other uh, uh, individuals. And I was also, uh, I, I also find interesting, um, yeah, how different narcissism can, can mm -hmm. play out and how it can uh, yeah, show in, in, in situations where you would think, okay, this has nothing to do with narcissism, like helping others, mm -hmm. for, for example. And this is great work by Jochen Gebauer, who uh, calls, calls this communal narcissism. So being narcissistic in the communal uh, field. Um, yeah. So these are just a couple of things, but I think it's, it's um, for me, narcissism is um, um, more like an example for many interesting dynamics we see uh, with personality in general. So people are so dramatically different from each other. And this is fascinating because as you said, why is that the case? Uh, we differ dramatically and this has everyday effects on our relationships, on, on our occupational success, on our, on our longevity uh, even. Mm. So, uh, longevity? Yeah, sure. Do narcissists live longer or shorter? Uh, I, I'm not aware of, of uh, examined effects for, for narcissism, but we know that for other, for other traits. I guess a, a big component here of the research is the interaction between people. Right. So do narcissists tend to avoid other narcissists or do they have groups of personality traits or people with groups of personality traits that they seek out? What, what do those interactions look like? Yeah, we have these two ideas here. So, right. So the one idea is, okay, narcissists are searching for people who are low in narcissism because then they have individuals who can give them the applause they, they need. They're more subordinate, so they don't question the position of narcissists. So this is one idea. And often, for example, in a romantic relationship, it's, um, it's uh, yeah, combined with something like a victim hypothesis. So narcissists are searching for victims, right? So there's this other idea that uh, narcissists are searching for other narcissists because only another narcissist is worth it, right? You, you, can, uh, you can understand each other, you can um, uh, shine on each other and, and so forth. And um, there's some research on it and it very clearly shows that it's not this compensatory uh, idea again. So it's not how different they are, but it's rather um, a small similarity effect. Mm -hmm. So a small similarity effect in, in the sense that narcissists more often end up with other narcissists in, in, in relationships. But this effect is really very small. Mm -hmm. So um, the takeaway from, from me would be um, that uh, you see um, uh, narcissists in any combination, mm -hmm. basically in all sorts of, of relationships. So there's not this one pattern um, uh, you see. But do you, do you often see in relationships, so I imagine uh, those relationships where there are two narcissists might be very fiery, right? What, what, is, what happens to a narcissist when their worldview of themselves gets challenged or broken down or even uh, shown to not really exist? Are they sort of, do they put up walls and they're not able to accept it? What, or is it explosive? There's, it's more explosive, so there's more conflict. So, and, and, and so in relationship with two narcissists, you have this, this early shining, uh, you, you have um, uh, 
So maybe a deeply passionate relationship yes. at the outset. And you also a visible one. So, so we know from celebrities like Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, yeah, this, this, this combination, very, very visible. Um, uh, but then problems arise and narcissists are not so good at, good at uh, handling problems within a relationship. And these problems with two narcissists are even stronger, explosive. And at some point, uh, the, the relationship is burned down. Mm -hmm. right? But I guess the worst situation would be if you had a narcissist together with someone who's really a pushover and just completely bends. That's the image that I have of these relationships where there's someone who's really domineering and the other person just gets squashed. Is, is that something that you also see uh, in the research? Yes. So as I said, there are all kinds of combinations. So there's also this combination, but this is not the, the one combination, right? Uh, in this case, uh, uh, there might, might of course uh, arise problems and uh, um, particularly if individuals are very submissive and not able to set the boundaries where they are needed, right? Um, um, and then, then this, this relationship can be very um, uh, unequal, um, because narcissists tend to show more egoistic behaviors. They uh, give less than they take and so forth. Um, I think it's important to, um, yeah, to not equal that with uh, really problematic, toxic relationships and manipulative behavior. Gaslighting is uh, a huge um, um, topic. Um, they exist, these really toxic um, uh, relationships, these really manipulative behaviors, but this is not the, the standard, one, standard one ends up with a narcissist, but this has rather to do with other traits like uh, psychopathy or... Uh, um, Actually, can, can we touch on that a little bit? How, so how, how, did, how does narcissistic personality disorder relate to Psych psychopathy, for instance, where, where, does, where do they overlap and where is it? How do you distinguish the two, for, for instance? Yeah. Um, so where they're similar in is um, when they show very, um, when people show very uh, aggressive antagonistic behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but the motivation is very different, right? Um, for uh, psychopathy, for example, the idea is that they really don't feel with, with, with others, right? Uh, um, um, but and for something like sadism, people one would say that they even enjoy uh, mm -hmm. seeing, uh, um, 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 yeah, others being being um, tortured or whatever, right? Um, but this is not the motivational core for narcissists. So narcissists are interested in being admired, mm. and they show aggressive behavior as a secondary strategy if this admiration doesn't work out. So, but it's not that they're interested in being ag aggressive yeah? and it's not that they cannot understand the emotions of others, but they have other, other priorities. It's kind of paradoxical, right? Because narcissists present themselves as, as being these big, or the classical sort of idea of it, these big people, but there's this deep fragility built in underlying it where they really rely on the views of other people. It's odd, no? But yeah, but there is no deep fragility, I would say, right? Okay. Um, so um, when we look at, at uh, the self-esteem or self-esteem fluctuations, this is typically how one looks at this, this, this fragility aspect, we see that narcissism have a higher self-esteem and a more stable self-esteem. Mm -hmm. so, so it's mentally help 
healthy in some sense. Right. Uh, so if we if we apply the regular measures of narcissism and mental health measures, we see a positive correlation. Yeah. Right. Um, Again, it's important to differentiate between the different um, uh, strategies and how much these strategies are applied by individuals in their lives. So narcissists who really uh, create problems always have to use their, 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 their elbows. They tend to, at some point, um, fluctuate more in, in their self-esteem, think they're special, but no longer feel good. Um, and there we see this, uh, this, this dynamic. But it's not the starting point. It's not the fragility that creates narcissistic compensatory behavior, but it's an effect for individuals for which the default strategy to brag, show off, self-present doesn't work out. Mm. So, so, then it, it, so the, the idea that I have from what you said is that uh, in psychopathy, they, they really don't have any feelings for the other person, zero empathy, and they just do the things they want to do. Whereas with narcissism, it's like their priorities are just set differently, let's say. Um, and by that, it sounds like narcissists can still love other people. They, they still experience the full range of emotions. I guess that's the question. Can they experience love? Yes, yes, definitely. So we don't see any evidence that this, this is not the case. So we, we see, and narcissists are in relationship. They enjoy relationships. Uh, it's really just that often enough, they have other priorities and they don't show the relationship behaviors uh, partners would wish for. Uh, and again, it's not that they don't show them, uh, that they uh, never show them, but they show them less often than, than, than others. Right? But so you touched on, uh, well, we touched on uh, mental health. So they're, they're less depressed than the average population. You'd say they're, they're yes. happier even. Yes. I see. But, but in the case where, so let's go back to the case where they, they feel that they're, they've not been validated, that the world hasn't recognized their genius. Uh, in that case, do they fall into depression? Right, right, right. Yes, sure. Um, and that's also uh, one of the um, symptoms we see when, when uh, narcissists uh, end up in therapy. Uh, then for sure, if they're afraid with, afraid with their strategy, then they feel less good, more depressed, more fragile, uh, and so forth. Like um, everyone who ends up in therapy, right? And I think this is also the, the, the reason for why we have this idea that narcissists are some, somehow fragile deep down inside, because where we hear about narcissism is mostly from therapists talking about their individual experiences with narcissistic clients, right? Mm -hmm. But narcissistic clients are really a tiny portion of narcissists, namely th those that failed and ended up in, in therapy. So in our society, we also have sort of various victim narratives, right? We, we, um, we have stories about this group of people has been um, subjugated and this group of people have been, you know, the, the persecutors. What happens when a narcissist comes into contact with a victim narrative that's already sort of established? So uh, by, by which I mean, what happens if there's a narcissist who believes they've been victimized personally? or that they belong to a group that's victimized personally. How does that play out? 
I mean, um, so first, uh, like any other individual who um, feels being victimized, um, it uh, hopefully shows reaction that creates support uh, by others and that um, uh, diminishes this victimization because this is a real problem uh, we have. Um, and what we might observe is with narcissists that they um, create additional benefit. Mm. Um, because, oh, they, they can prop up the movement. Y yes, um, but also for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, w one, one idea could be that narcissists even help the movement because mm -hmm. they're more active, they're create more attention, and therefore, um, yeah, create positive developments um, for, for, this, for this group because they're more active and they yeah, uh, gather more and more positive uh, reactions even if they might do this only for themselves, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Because this, this creation of attention can give oneself status, right? So it, it can be the case that an individual who is victimized creates status by this being victimized mm -hmm. and nevertheless creates positive uh, outcomes for the group as a whole. But it might also um, create negative outcomes. So if, if it um, maybe long term, uh, yeah, in the long run, or um, if they, um, um, yeah, only display this victimization, mm -hmm. uh, but use this group uh, 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 as a group um, to, yeah, to, to, to drive themselves forward, drive themselves, and this can have uh, um, backlash effects, right, on the entire group. Yeah, yeah. but so. If, if you find yourself in a relationship with someone you suspect of being a narcissist, how, how can you mediate the situation? What, how should you interact with someone you suspect of being a narcissist in order to, say, cool tensions? Or I think the, the, the first important point is um, really self-reflection mm -hmm. because uh, a relationship is always a relationship between at least two individuals. Um, and so I think one uh, has to ask oneself, what do I uh, like in partners, both when I get to know them and when I'm in a relationship? Um, what um, do I need in a relationship? What uh, uh, is a no-go in a relationship? How much um, excitement or security uh, do I want? Um, uh, how much closeness or uh, autonomy do I mm -hmm. want in a relationship? And this is something that's very important to to. Yeah, have a clear idea about uh, one's own preferences, um, and then it's it's clear that uh, so the combination excitement and some autonomy is a better combination for being with a narcissist than um, uh, than security and very close uh, preferences. Um, and then there are, of course, some tips one could uh, um, uh, give. Um, so I think one important point is to enjoy. To enjoy the excitement narcissists can bring into a relationship together, but then also have room for uh, for oneself to enjoy mm -hmm. life on your own. Besides being in this uh, in this uh, relationship, and give the narcissist the space he or she needs uh, with this also. Um, the second is to be in a way fair to uh, oneself and and narcissist. So to realize that you are in a relationship with someone with a certain personality and uh, this has benefits. Obviously you are in this relationship for certain reasons. And often these reasons also have to do with narcissism because someone is very self-assured, very dominant, uh, yeah, speaks up. 
um, and not trying to really change this uh, individual, making someone else out of uh, out of uh, this person. There's something this idea that that is tied to to this um, uh, disorder idea that someone is uh, is disordered and traumatized, and in a relationship, I can heal this person, right? Mm -hmm. And this is not needed. You can just deal with uh, this other person as with any as other person being. as a human being. And narcissists are responsible for their behavior. Mm -hmm and also um, for the negative consequences of their status drive. And so we have to just um, have normal expectations towards communication and uh, being together in, in, in a relationship. Um, and the third point is, I think, really um, uh, yeah, being able to um, draw boundaries where they're needed, right? Uh, and to do this in a, in a rather calm way. So not to... Um, Uh, heat up the conflict yourself, but rather wait, it will be over, and then make very clear uh, statements about about boundaries. Um, and this is difficult, because uh, stating boundaries can always be seen as uh, critique, and narcissists react more negatively um, when they're uh, criticized. Um, so it's important to um, do this in a um, yeah, communicatively clever way. Yeah, to uh, start by um, emphasizing the value of this relationship, um, stating that if you say I'm dumb, then I feel <laughs> <laughs> you're not valuing this relationship. Um, I cannot accept this, but uh, and expect that you uh, apologize if you do so. We can uh, get rid of this and focus on more enjoyable, interesting uh, things, right? But so, what's the boundary then between some? Because, of course, there are people that just are very self-confident and they have a very healthy self-esteem. What What's the boundary way where this becomes really a disorder? I know it's a personality trait, but what is a disorder? Where, where do I get to that point? Um, where, where would you say? Um, so it, 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 yeah, it creates a disorder. If it uh, if it if you fail with the strategy, and that but is before you, that it's not it's 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 a uh, it's a survival strategy that can go wrong and then right it's it's a personality trait so and if you if you are um, very shy you can live your whole life being shy without having a disorder mm. yes um, but if the if in your in your life context. With your uh, other characteristics you have, your shyness creates problems that are very strong. Mm -hmm. Then you might end up in, in, in a dependent personality disorder or whatever, right? And the same as with narcissism. Narcissism is a personality trait. It doesn't have anything to do with a disorder in the first place. But if it creates problems um, and people fail with the strategy in their lives, then it can become um, a disorder. I guess what I want to understand is This is something that in general I don't really understand. So you have people who have, say, ADHD or someone who's de depressed or there are various conditions, let's say, that people can have. And at some point they medicate. So where does that breakdown happen? I, I, know, I know we could say that, oh, it's when it's not, if, when the strategy is not working or when it's being destructive in their life. But, you know, we have the surrounding environment. We live in a, a world that we didn't necessarily evolve for. 
And so how, how do you make that decision of, you know, this is, this is something where we really should be working on the external and no, this is something where they really should be medicated. Like where does that, I, I know you, you are primarily a researcher, but where does that breakdown happen and where do we make that um, decision? I mean, if, if people um, are no longer um, realizing a satisfying life for them and don't have a strategy on their own, then they end up seeking for help. And I don't think medication would be the first thing they, uh, they should get, uh, but really a psychotherapeutic treatment. Um, uh, and there the focus is on the problems people have. The focus is not on, okay, let's change your personality, but focus on the problems people have and thereby creating a more flexible, uh, a more positive way of interacting with others. So because um, um, narcissists who end up in therapy are often th th those who are very rigid in their, in their strategies. And so they create problems with their partner, in the job. And in therapy, you kind of have a... Um, a safe space where you can try out alternative strategies. Yeah, they can learn that, okay, by listening to others, um, by um, giving worth to the emotions and desires of others, you can be more effective <laughs> in your everyday interactions. And you can even reach your own goals. Uh, and they can be egoistic better if you <laughs> um, if you um, uh, engage with others in this more uh, communal uh, um, uh, way. And then uh, the therapist would typically also work with these critical situations. So when narcissists are criticized, to really show them what they do in these situations, to show, and to show them what social effect this has uh, on, on others. Um, and... This is something uh, these narcissists often don't have the cha chance to, to train in their everyday life because they are too fast in reacting mm -hmm. to this. They're too fiery in yeah. response. And, then, and so they never actually have the self-reflecting loop that uh, would repair the... The reason why I, I'm uh, interested in this is because it, earlier on we talked about cocaine and, and alcohol and sort of these drugs that make you appear more uh, narcissistic perhaps or have narcissistic tendencies. And one of the things I wondered would, was along the lines of, you know, is there sort of a, an anti-cocaine or something like this? But the downside, it, it sounds like it's something that would be very difficult to medicate for because you know, the people who are narcissistic, it sounds like, they, they have this vigor and this energy and, and all these positive aspects to their personality. And it seems like something that would be very difficult with a chemical to tease that out and like leave the positive aspects and it's it's a personality so yeah. you'd be altering your own personality quite drastically yes and uh, you would get rid of all the positive aspects so people um enter life uh, and develop in their lives with their personality they de develop their strategy um that works for them in, in some way and uh yeah, some some of them um, for some of them the strategy doesn't work out like they wish for, and um, the solution is almost never to get rid of this personality, mm -hmm. right? But to find better ways of expressing this personality, so that they can create less problems and get more of what they're what they're uh, seeking for, and also 
to be more flexible in what you're seeking for. So one problem with, with narcissists is that they um, um, yeah, put everything on the getting ahead um, side, right? And one, one thing they could also learn in, in, in a therapy, so I'm only talking about those with, a, with a, uh, already a disorder, failed narcissist, what they could learn is um, that there are other things in life that are enjoyable too, <laughs> Uh, including close interaction with others, listening to others and so forth. And uh, this creates more balance in an otherwise very risky uh, life strategy. So in terms of misconceptions, this idea that we have that narcissists are the bad guys, this doesn't hold up in your view? No, um, I, I think uh, it's, it's more accurate to say narcissists are those with a lot of energy and power. Uh, which they have because they're uh, um, very strongly strive for social attention and status, which is a very intensive drug. Um, and this power um, creates effects, both positive and negative ones. And this is why we are talking so much about narcissists. Uh, and this is, uh, so this has a reason that we're talking about narcissists. Uh, this has a reality because they create effects in reality, both negative and positive uh, ones. So it's not about the bad guys or the good guys, but uh, very powerful guys. Uh, and it's interesting to see when, who, and in which contexts uh, we can perhaps profit from these positive effects and less of these negative effects. So you wouldn't be insulted if someone called you a narcissist. This is this is not an insult in. Yeah, I think the problem with with this uh, insulting is that as soon as we understand it as a disorder, mm -hmm. it's automatically an insult, right? Um, because people are not in life order or whatever. Um, but as soon as it's uh, a personality um, trait, it's the question is just: is it? accurate yeah. <laughs> that you call uh, me a narcissist or an extrovert or or, or, as, or being shy or anxious or depressed right um so and um you can be right or wrong with this this uh, judgment but it's not an insult and i think it's so it's for me it's we don't use this word too often we use it in a, in a wrong way hmm. so i want to move towards the end of the conversation and there's a few questions I am curious about uh, moving forwards. So the first is, what do you wish you understood? So, so what, what is the thing that has been nagging at you as a research question that you wish you understood about narcissists that's just not clear to you at the moment? I think it's really this, this developmental part. So we really know um, far too less about uh, how um, narcissism develops over time. We know it's stable, we know there are these age trends, but what are the precursors of uh, individual narcissistic development? Yeah? We have few ideas about this, this parenting, effects not so, not so strong, perhaps other environments, genes, but what genes, <laughs> nobody knows. Um, what is the combination of genetic effects and environmental effects and how does this play out in a developmental trajectory of individuals uh, in what life contexts? So I think we, uh, I would really love to learn more about this uh, development of, of uh, narcissism. I think this is the first one and the second one is um, really to, to uh, understand more about narcissism in a broader, more collective context. So we talk about a, a lot about uh, narcissistic politicians and, and, and leaders, um, but we know very little about the, the context in which they might help 
uh, to reach innovation uh, change and in which context they really create problems we wouldn't uh, want to uh, want to have. <laughs> so obviously you're, you're successful in getting grants and this sort of thing for your research. When you, when you write those grants and, and you are talking about the outcomes, the benefits of, of the research, what is that? So you, you're, what's the, what do you sell as the story for the, the, the big image? So uh, luckily in, in Germany with the grants, we're, we're still focused on research, basic research. So you do, don't necessarily need this, this idea for, uh, for the, for the uh, but public, you have a public book, outcome. So. I have a book, so <laughs> there, there, are, there is relevance. So I think um, it's really important to see that NASM has these effects uh, every day on people's relationships, on uh, the job market, on economy, on even on politics. It makes a difference whether uh, that Trump is a narcissist, makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Because he's a narcissist, he was able to create uh, this, uh, this attention and to use um, pre-existing intergroup conflicts for his own uh, uh, benefit. So this has real effects and we need to understand how this works, how people react to narcissists to really um, uh, yeah, build up on this and also yeah, create interventions on whatever scale for individuals, for groups or for societies. Are you impressed at what Trump was able to achieve? In this, I mean, he became the president. That's very, that's very impressive. But, but I mean, th th there's some sort of special source that these people have where they, they can really um, connect into. At, at the moment, uh, something that I'm fascinated by is that there are people who will, accurately or not, but they will be able to identify a problem. Uh, society has this issue or the, there's this happening and I'm the solution to it. Right? Th this is something that, that seems to be happening with increasing regularity now. And I, I find it very impressive that, that people are able to act as this lightning rod. In your, in your own research studying Narcissus, have you been impressed with the abilities that <laughs> sort of they're... Yes, um, and, and I think it, it has to do with a um, fine sense of the attention market. Mm -hmm. So a, f a fine sense of what creates attention, of what people are paying attention to. And because narcissists are so eager to get this attention, they're using more of their energy to learn what mm. people uh, are attending uh, to. And I think this is, this is something that also happens in, in, in politics. Yeah. So my background's in physics. And anyone who's done an undergrad in physics will notice that the researchers sell the law, right? They, the L-O-R-E, not the, um, where they will tell you about um, famous physicists and their lives. And, and it's very enjoyable learning about the history as you learn um, about the actual academic side of things, the, the uh, analytical side of things. And often we, we learn how something was discovered rather than how we understand it today. Right, so the, the story of how these inventions came about is very important. And so it's sort of a very ego-driven, it seems, field of research. And there are a lot of big egos that in, in, uh, in, in physics. Do you think in general, a little bit of narcissism is, is sort of required to get ahead, uh, in, in, even in research in areas where... Sure, sure. So, I mean... Um, this self-confidence and agentic uh, approach 
to reaching one's goals has an effect in any, almost any occupational context and also in science. And in science, we have um, also have an attention market and we also have rewards that are socially defined, uh, like uh, um, how many people are in your lab? Uh, how many papers do you have? What is your age score? And so forth and so forth. There are all of these tiny um, uh, um, dopamine, hits. <laughs> dopamine <laughs> status <laughs> cues. Uh, so for sure, this is also a context uh, in which narcissists can, can strive. Uh, this is a question from earlier in the conversation. I sort of, it got dropped along the line, so I'll, I'll jump back into this. But um, so is, is there a, a breakup in terms of, um, so a few different status groups. So how does narcissism in, in a person who is, let's say, of low social status compared to someone who's of high social status, how does it present? I know you, 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 you touched on a little bit um, uh, that people feel that the world has, has not understood them. Um, so, so, so I wanted to ask two questions together because yeah. they're sort of in, uh, intertwined. Um, and also just the gender split as well. Um, yeah, so um, regarding so, uh, status, it's important to differentiate between social status and um, something like sociodemographic uh, uh, um, uh, uh, status um, or formal formal status. Um, for social status, we see that that nurses often end up in in, in jobs that uh, oh yes <laughs> <laughs> that have a, a higher social status, like management, um, um, for 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 example. Um, um, for formal status, um, we don't see big differences. So you, you have um, the whole range of narcissism um, in people with high or low education or income. Um, there's a slight effect towards higher um, narcissism with higher education, but these are relatively uh, small, small effects. And the same is true for gender. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's interesting because um, if you think about narcissists and try to um, name some individuals, um, mm -hmm. most people come up with men. Mm -hmm. So mostly mostly men. But what we see empirically is that the um, scores, the average scores of men and women um, and other genders are, are relatively similar. There's a small uh, um, uh, gap uh, in the sense that men have higher scores, but the difference is really small and much smaller than we typically think um, uh, uh, it is. So like with other um, personality char characteristics, gender differences tell very little of the story. So if we know uh, gender of someone, we know little about his or her narcissism. And within each gender, we see the whole uh, variety uh, of, of scores. Um, there are some, uh, some ideas about um, not the strength of narcissism itself, but the way it plays out. Mm -hmm. um, and there we see some indication that from, and these are very stereotypical, <laughs> these, these findings, so that for men play out their narcissism more often in the uh, occupational uh, context and women more in, in this um, uh, humble and helping context and also with, with regard to um, um, beauty appearance. Um, but again, also these, the, these different um, arenas in which they are play, played out, these, these effects are very small. So you see men that brag with their appearance and you see very powerful uh, women bragging with their, um, um, their job. Um, 
but they are small effects. And, and the other one is um, the strategies that are used and how visibly they are used. So for men, we see more open aggressive behavior and for women, more subtle aggressive behavior. But again, this is something we generally see as a, as a gender difference is that the aggressiveness of women is more subtle than that of, of men. It's interesting because for this interview, I was trying to think of people. So, and on, on the female side, I had not, so I had Megan Markle, um, Amber Heard and mother Teresa were the, <laughs> <laughs> were the, the three examples I was, yeah. uh, calling to mind. But then on, on the male side, I was, there was an endless list. Uh, and I guess um, the the interesting thing that I found was, so <laughs> again, uh, talking about Elon Musk, there there is a huge population that loves him, right? And uh, I think Andrew Tate is an equivalent sort of, in terms of this, uh, uh, is someone where there's people who really love him. And then there's other people who just absolutely want nothing to do with him. And the, the group of people who want nothing to do with them really like to see them stuff up, right? It's, it's enjoyable to see these people fall and make mistakes and people will focus on uh, Trump being obsessed with his hands or whatever it is, that his hair blowing in the wind or toilet paper on his shoe. Um, people will focus on uh, the fact that they think that uh, Musk is killing Twitter. Um, and the thing that they point out that I've seen sort of consistently is people like to point out narcissists doing stupid things. And, and so there's, this was something I was a little bit confused by that you said at the beginning that we don't see a difference in intelligence and uh, necessarily you can find narcissists that are everywhere from Einstein, I'm not calling him a narcissist, but everywhere from the most intelligent to the stupidest. Um, and so I shouldn't be surprised actually to find narcissists that are doing silly things, right? It's yes, and and of course the the risky strategy they use mm -hmm. creates an opportunity for both very innovative uh, um, uh, um, effects, but also very stupid ones if they don't work. So that's that's the point about innovation and change that it can go wrong, and I think it's interesting to think about it from a um, collective perspective. Um, that uh, we kind of need this uh, uh, innovative uh, effects, even if they go wrong. And then we lose an, <laughs> lose an assist, right? Because he, uh, he went wrong and did silly things and nobody wants to hear about this person any longer. But we need this, these changes and these trying out as a society what is possible, what not. And I think there's a, there's a clear role for, for narcissists because they do so. Even if others say that, that's bullshit, that will not work. Right. And something I hadn't thought about is the fact that a narcissist, a narcissist is probably more likely to venture into a territory they have no, no expertise in um, and confidently state that they know the answer and that that's the, yes. the solution. And this is the point where, of course, other uh, characteristics make a difference. Because if you have two individuals, both highly narcissistic and one is highly intelligent and the other not, they will create very different ideas, right? By what do you mean exactly? So the one idea will has a higher chance of uh, being successful, being successful, right, right. being really innovative. Uh, that can work, and the other one being much more probable of creating something that sounds interesting but is not thought through. 
right? Um, and so it's it's really important that uh, it's not just narcissism, but it's narcissism combined with certain abilities people have and certain contexts. We have we have we have um, contexts both um, in, in in the economy, but also in the society as a whole, where we need more change, where we need rapid change. And we have other contexts where we um, uh, just had a, a, a shift and now need stabilization, for mm -hmm. example. And we know that um, narcissists can have more positive effects in these contexts where we need sudden changes and less positive when it's about stabilizing uh, an organization, uh, for example. Does that mean there's a political split also uh, with narcissists being uh, are, are narcissists more progressive or... Uh, Now we, we saw um, regarding uh, so political attitudes, we see um, uh, narcissism in yeah, every 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 party. Um, um, so there's not not a, a huge difference, uh, but within so which within each political narrative, they would would go for the more uh, uh, drastic, more um, um, <laughs> out there, more so risky ideas. So these different. Um, political narratives are more like different playing fields where narcissists can play out their narcissism. Do they gamble more in general? <laughs> uh, I don't have numbers uh, for, for this, but I know that um, they're, so they're specialized uh, treatments for gambling disorders and there's often a connection with, with narcissism and it, it makes sense. They believe they're going to roll the dice well. Yes. Yeah. I know it, this is this is a game that's about luck, but not with me, my friend. <laughs> I uh, I find the whole area really fascinating. It's uh, it's been brilliant having you on the podcast. Thank, Thank you, you very much for coming along, Mitcha. Welcome back anytime. Thank you.